0: Right now on the Ringer Gambling feed and all throughout the entire month of August, the East Coast Bias Boys are getting you ready to bet the NFL this season. We're going through each and every single division and revealing our favorite
1: futures, predicting division winners, and even giving you some award winners. Do we think the Kansas
0: City Chiefs will repeat or will they be dethroned? Tune in now to find out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Welcome in. It is a Monday edition of New York, New York, with yours truly, J.J. John J. right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And that countdown to the start of the football season cannot get here soon enough. We are now inside of three weeks from week one, Giants and Cowboys, when we'd be signing on right after Sunday Night Football. We are officially three weeks out from the debut of Aaron Rodgers. And the New York Jets taking on the Buffalo Bills on September the 11th. So, we know this is going to be the most highly anticipated New York football season that we have had in town in a long, long time. The Yankees. I know what many of you are looking for right now. I do. I know many of you listening want me to go ballistic. Want me to start yelling and screaming. Want me to start calling for jobs. I I know all of that. I could not be, full disclosure, any happier about what happened this weekend between the Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. And we've talked about this. And I know how painful and, like, disgusting the numbers are. The Yankees against Boston this year, the fact that the Yankees are basically single-handedly keeping the Boston Red Sox afloat in the American League wildcard race, which is disgusting, the the Yankees not having a lead in the game for like six days until Sunday. like I I, I know how mind-bogglingly bad it has gotten. I do. But what did we talk about about a week, week and a half ago? Right after that meltdown, Sunday against the Miami Marlins. This has got to get ugly, ugly, ugly from a Yankee perspective. What has transpired in this past week, which is the Yankees now losing eight games in a row. The Yankees now have their longest losing skid since 1995. And you're going to see all sorts of articles. You're going to see all sorts of commentary about, oh, The Yankee winning record streak is in danger. It's in jeopardy. Who cares? The most important thing that can happen between now and the end of this year is that Hal Steinbrenner, or as I like to call him, Kendall Roy, wakes up and understands how this season is an all-time embarrassment from a Yankee perspective. With the expectations, with the payroll, with the Yankees, as we've talked about ad nauseum. Not going to bore you with the same commentary that I've given you on this team. Not only over the last month, not only the last few months. We've talked about this for the last few years. The sense of entitlement and complacency for a team that has amounted to nothing, for a team that has won nothing. Just think about this for a minute. Harrison Bader, two weeks ago, two freaking weeks ago, basically was pounding his chest about the Yankees split with the Houston Astros. And I'm paraphrasing here, so I apologize if I don't have to quote entirely accurate. But basically, he's paraphrasing and saying, yeah, if we keep playing this brand of baseball, split with the Astros, oh, we're going to be in great shape. Well, the Yankees have proceeded to go 2-10 brand of baseball, the Yankees, who were like 1, 6, and 3 in-, in series before the Houston series and then dropped a couple more after the Houston series, are-, are content and complacent with the quote-unquote brand of baseball they're playing. That's everything that's wrong with the picture. That's everything that's wrong with the overall vibe of the New York Yankees, which is why. And even on a day where they actually show a fight with the bats, with Volpe hits a three run homer, where they rally back a handful of times, they still can't go and win a game. See, because they're poorly put together. Their lineup is stunk all year. Their starting pitching got hurt and was terrible. I mean, it, the, I fell for Cole. I don't know if you guys felt this way watching the game on Saturday. I legitimately fell for Garrett Cole because he was so shell shot and just so perplexed on the one day all freaking year he does not have his A stuff. He was like a lost boy. He was like somebody who lost, you know, his favorite toy. and just didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do. I fell for the guy because he's been maybe one of two or three Yankees that has brought it consistently throughout the year. So I'm going to give a guy like that a pass. But they got bombed Friday night. I, I The only reason I went to the game is because I had a couple of buddies and their wives go. Otherwise, I had no desire to go. I would have walked out right after the first inning and went right back to the bodega. In fact, I'm kind of mad I didn't. Saturday the game was over in the second inning. Today they show fight and they still lose the game. But that's the thing. They either don't hit, they get a poorly pitched game, and their overrated bullpen yucks games up, which they have done a lot over these last couple weeks. So the end result now is that the Yankees will have a day off on Monday. And look, that's great that Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman are meeting with Aaron Boone. Look, at the end of this year, If this is a year that doesn't bring wholesale change to the Bronx, then what will? Honestly, what will? The Yankees are 60 and 64. The Yankees are in last place. The Yankees have their longest losing skid since I was a second grade student. I don't want to hear about, oh, well, they haven't had a losing season since 1992. I don't care. You're delusional. You're clueless. You're stuck in your ways. Games like we are watching and witnessing in Atlanta against the Red Sox. good. you want more of it. You want a relevant September baseball. You want empty seats at Yankee Stadium where Hal Steinberg is going to feel it. Because you know what? The Red Sox series wasn't going to be empty. They sold those tickets. It's Yankees, Red Sox. It's beautiful August weather. People are going to be out at the ballpark when school's back in session, when the football season starts. Outside old-timers day with Derek Jeter and old 98 Yankees going to be there. There's not much of a reason to go to Yankee Stadium. And that to me is when it's going to be wow, Eye-opening for Kendall Ward, aka Hal Steinberg. So if you're a Yankee fan upset about what you saw over the weekend, no, disagree. Enjoy it. Let it get worse. Bottle it up and hope it leads to what needs to necessarily happen. It must happen from a Yankee standpoint. Dramatic and wholesale change. A couple of football thoughts. So Rodgers is playing the giant game. I'm a little surprised. But we know who's calling the shots. Aaron Rodgers has earned the right as a fourth-time MVP, as a future Hall of Fame quarterback, if he goes to Robert Sala and Joe Douglas and Nathaniel Hackens and says, look, fellas, I want to get a little working. What are you going to say? No. As much as I bellyache about guys playing in the preseason, I don't love it because to me, it's a whole lot of risk and not a whole lot of reward. But sometimes guys just got to get their their feet wet. They got to get in rhythm. They got to be where they need to be. The player is going to decide that. Mahomes has been playing. I got Tua. They, and, and I could understand that with the concussions. You don't want his first game back on the field after that Christmas debacle uh, against Green Bay, not knowing what it's like to, you know, feel the heat and be in a game situation. So they played Tua, Saturday against the Texans. Rogers probably saying, listen, let me get a couple of reps in, maybe a series, just to get those jitters out. First time playing in the ballpark. First time wearing a jet uniform. That whole deal. If you're upset about that, you're just disregarding your quarterback's feelings for what he's looking to do. Simple as that. Aaron Rodgers wants to play. Aaron Rodgers should play. As far as their offensive line, Beckton's got to be on that first-team offensive line. Guy's a first-round pick. They don't have a lot of talent on the line. I know it's preseason. He's looked pretty damn good in the preseason. I need Makai Beckton on that line, assuming there is no injury week one against the Buffalo Bills. And if you're a Giant fan, you had to be giddy. And I know it's preseason. Daniel Jones, Darren Waller, Daniel Jones, surgically carving up Carolina Panther defense, throwing a touchdown, hitting showers. That, for me, is enough for the New York Giants with their first teamers. That's, that's good enough for me. I saw them for a series. They look good for a series. We'll see a week one against the Dallas Cowboys. And we're going to have a couple of fantasy guys on. A little spoiler alert. There is one particular player on the New York Giants that both Danny Heifetz and Jason Katz are sharing a brain on and are very high on going into the start of the year. So we'll have some fun. Heifetz will run around the NFL with him. Save a little fantasy for the end. Then we'll go and really get you ready for your drafts with Jason Katz, who's going to be joining us each and every Football Friday show with Joe Beningo and, of course, with Arthur Caesar and our usual third-year traditions here on the New York, New York podcast. So we'll have our fantasy guys, Heifetz and Katz. We will have 6 to ten of the New York Top 15 list, and I'm sure that's going to piss some people off, and I'm sure they're not going to be happy about who's on, who's not. Apparently, I had a couple of glaring omissions. I heard that from a few places. It's the way the cookie crumbles. Listen, my list is 15 people. Somebody's going to be on the outside looking in. That's just the way of the world. Voicemails coming up. 917-382-1151. And before we get to voicemails, programming reminder this week. We will be dropping New York, New York a day early. There will not be a Thursday podcast. It will be a Wednesday night podcast. I know I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. I'm a schedule guy, but we got to tweak things a little bit here because I got a rehearsal dinner on Thursday. I got the big wedding, the big nuptials on Friday. So Sunday will be fun. We'll have a lot to report on. We'll Be up in Newport, Rhode Island for a couple of days, but I'm not skipping on a Sunday show. Don't you worry. We'll be covering everything you need to cover for a Sunday New York, New York. Might be a full-fledged wedding recap, but hey, that's the way of the world. But Wednesday night show as opposed to a Thursday night show for those of you keeping score at home. Okay. Voicemail time. Steph, let's hear him.
2: JJ, what's up, man? It's Chris and Marchmont. Uh, first message got caught off. Apologies about that. Um, just gonna try to keep it pretty concise. One point on the Yankees, one point on the Jets. Uh, I guess a uh, question for you about the Jets. But the, as far as the Yankees go, listen, took me a to little this past weekend against the Red Sox, the weekend of August 17th, 18th, whatever you want to call it. But I'm out on this team as far as rooting for them anymore. I know that's probably sacrilegious to some fans of teams. I can never, I can't ever recall doing that with the Yankees. I've done a, I did it with the Knicks and the Isaiah Thomas years because I knew that we needed to get worse before we were going to get better and make the changes we needed to make to get, uh, back to a level of respectability. And it took quite longer for the Knicks than we, than, than it should have. Um, but this Yankee team I and mean, you know, it said it all year. You can't make a gourmet meal with stale ingredients and Cashman and Boone just have to go. And the team now is in the bottom half. Of the league as far as the standings go, as we sit here, uh, in the middle to end of August. And, uh, it's it, it just a pathetic. A negative run differential is just, just really just sad to even watch now. And the team just needs to get, everything need, just needs to get blown up. Uh, quickly on the Jets. So I'm very excited. I'm cautiously optimistic about the year. You know, Rogers seems to have a pep in his step. He, he, I actually think he's going to come to the season with his ass on fire looking to prove something. Uh, listen, if he's even 80% of what he was in Green Bay, uh, when you compare him to what we had last year with Zach Wilson, the team's got to be in pretty good shape, even with the questions on the offensive line. But my question for you is, how many wins do you think Salah needs to get to keep his job? Because watching Hard Knocks, just kind of like you know, now three years into the to the solid campaign, never really been sold on the guy. The jury's out on him. I know it's a make or break year for him. How many wins does he need, in your opinion, to get uh, retained? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's around, uh, I actually think it's 10 wins because I, I think nine and eight, uh, unless for some reason it's a really tough schedule, they make the playoffs nine and eight still. I think he's going to need 10 wins. I'm curious what your take is, but anyway, hope all is well. Hope you're gearing up for the wedding and, uh, looking forward to, uh, hearing about it when it's all said and done and wishing you the best of luck this final week. And, um, it is it, it, it will be the best day of your life, um, to date. So anyway, hope all is well, man. Uh, we'll talk soon.
0: It's very kind of you to say it, Chris. Uh, I look forward to reporting on that come Sunday. I promise you. I'm going to have a nice, detailed scouting report for all you guys and gals. We'll share a couple of insights. I know Stefan will be looking to do so as well. Um, Jets, solid playoffs. I don't look at a win total. If he wants to be the coach next year and beyond, this has got to be a team that's in the postseason. Even if the Jets go 10 and 7 and they miss the postseason, I think that's going to be a tough sell. I think that would be the most debatable sell of the bunch. You know, if they go and win 10 games, they miss the postseason. We're going to chatter and we're going to debate his future. But you went and got Aaron Rodgers. You went 7 and 10 last year. Your first year, you won a handful of games. Now it's time to win. Jets haven't made the playoffs in over a decade. They have the longest playoff drought out of any team in the professional sports right now. They got to be in the playoffs. He wants to be the coach in 2024. We better be talking about the New York Jets playing somewhere other than the golf course in a month of January. And I don't know, golf course, January, New York, New Jersey, that's tough to find, but you'd be surprised. Warmer planet, warmer winters, never know. I don't think any of the Jets or the Giants are playing golf in New York City or around the Tri State area. If we're talking about elimination the day after the season, but uh you gotta be in the playoffs. Bare minimum, gotta be in the playoffs. Okay, who's next? Hey, JJ Eric from Spotify Live here. Hope you had a better weekend than the pathetic Yankees did. They just
3: got struck by the Sox, two sweeps in a row, eight losses in a row now. And I think what really frustrates me the most is there was a rumor swirling on Friday that they were going to be calling up both Austin Wells and Everson Pereira, who are just two of the top prospects. And that obviously didn't happen because they just refused to play any of their top prospects and give them a shot and just keep running out this lineup day after day. And this weekend, Pereira and Wells, and also as Waldo Peraza, uh went absolutely off. Uh, Wells had uh, three home runs this weekend, including two, uh, two home runs and seven LBIs today. Pereira had a, a handful of home runs as well. And I'm sure the Yankees will continue to just to tell us that they're not ready or they're not in the plans this year to uh, really help this team contribute. Because you know, as Boone says, it's right there in front of them with this pathetic roster. Uh, they just continue to just be the most inept uh, version that we could have possibly thought of, and they don't they don't do what the good teams do, and that's bring up the top prospects and get them a chance to contribute. And that's why the Yankees are in the position they are. They just continue to find new ways to lose and new ways to rip our hearts out and hopefully one day they'll get the message but i don't think it's anytime soon and i don't think we're gonna see any of the kids uh but i hope you had a great weekend
0: well i hope you're wrong about that look if you want to give me a reason not to be optimistic that's that's over and done with for the 2023 new york yankees but you want to give me a reason to watch honestly A reason to watch other than see Garrett Cole do his thing every fifth day or watch him Judge, for the time being, get four or five at-bats until he decides that he's seen enough for the 2024 season. Seeing the likes of Raza, Pereira, and Austin Wells, it's far more intriguing than, I don't know, Jake Bowers, Kyle Higgins, Shioka, Ben Rortvet, yeah. The Yankees should be calling the younger players up as soon as Tuesday. They have an off day on Monday. They should have all three of those guys up there on Tuesday. Will they? Highly doubtful. They'll probably wait at least till September the 1st with a good chunk of them. But what are we waiting for? Season's over. Let's see if any of that handful of the trio has a legitimate shot to be a major part of the plans next year. And let's get that big league experience going immediately. They need it. clearly. who's next?
4: JJ, Justin in Miami. There's not much to say about the Yankees for why I say it. Let's talk about the Giants. A couple points here. You know, you don't want to say opening game is a must win. And certainly, like, they could lose and, and, and make, find their way into the playoffs. But for when you look at the schedule, how hard it is this year compared to last, they can't go 0-4 in the division again and really, realistically win 10 games or 9 games. And what better opportunity to to not go zero and four than win that opener against Dallas? I think that's a huge game for the Giants. You know, you win that game, you probably get Arizona, you probably two and zero, and you're not playing from behind all year. You You know, you lose you lose the Cowboys, and and we're right back kind of where we were last year. Can they win any of these games? And very sneakily, what a thing I we talk about the Giants' schedule, how they got a lot of road games early, but I do think it's important to note they get the Eagles at home in the last game, which is. Kind of when you want to play the Eagles, because if Philly, again, runs away with this division, that game, we won't be playing for anything. And that, that could be a game where, you know, you play that game week 13, you're playing the Eagles at full strength. Now you play them in week 17, you know, you, you you might get their backup. So, you know, the Giants can beat the Cowboys and get the Eagles in week 17. There's a much better chance, I think, to win two games. And the second point on the Giants is, look, preseason I know doesn't matter, but one measure of success for this year is can they stack their draft boxes together? You know, I think that they, they did well last year. And the only returns look good, not just Banks um, or Schmidt, but but the guys, you really got a hit on guys in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Not not all pros, but fine guys. And that's really, I think, where the best franchises make their mark. And look, the only returns I think are encouraging here. Hyatt is a guy who you know has some talent. And then this I, Sid Hawkins is a real, could be a real find for the Giants. I mean, this is a guy who, who you know, was a six round pick and is potentially playing for a playing spot, so could, could start. So you know, if the draft is good, that's another good sign out of, out of this GM, who really, two years in, I think has really shown he knows what he's doing. Talk to you later, buddy.
0: Uh, Justin, I appreciate it. Yeah, last year it looked like the Giants hit on a couple of picks. You hope you're saying the same thing this year. Um. Hyatt is super fast. That's a crowded receiver room. Is this a guy that takes a good two, three months to really make his mark? Can he do it instantly? He's not going to be the number one threat in this offense, but can he be a home run hitter in this offense? Which, to me, is something the Giants were lacking last year. Daniel Jones throws a good deep ball. That, to me, is an additional element that you could throw into the arsenal a couple of big plays down the field. Maybe they're through Jalen Wyatt and what he provides from a speed standpoint. Here's what I would say about the schedule. I'm not going to say it's necessarily week one. I think that might be a little dramatic, but in general, you got to find a way to beat the Cowboys and the Eagles. You can't be going into every year, and I'm sure Brian Dable is saying this to his team. We cannot go into every year chalking up four losses to the Dallas and two to Philadelphia. They've done that way too often over the last couple of years. And last year, they lost five games, three to Philadelphia and two to Dallas. Can't happen. If you're going to start making the sort of strides the Giants want to make, that's got to come to a close. So making a statement in week one would be a big deal, but I'd say bigger picture, got to be more competitive against those two top teams that you expect to see in your division at the end of the year the Eagles, and the Cowboys playing in January. We'll see how the Giants close the gap on those two. All right, let's take one more.
2: JJ, Stanton and it's Anthony. So
5: I wanted to make uh, two points. The first is, you know, I, I can't even really watch the post games anymore. I just go on Twitter and I check what they put up. And again, you hear, you know, we did some good things. Guys had some nice stats, whatever. All right, I'm a Giants fan, okay? And I'm sure, you know, New York, New York podcast, the majority of your list Giants jets but those that are in my age group we had the privilege of watching parcells head coach okay and uh giants and jets and you know we've had our run-ins with the patriots for better or worse right can you ever imagine head coaches legendary championship winning head coaches like parcells belichick going into press conferences and doing what this fucking asshole does they blow teams out by 30 points and belichick will go into a press conference and tell you about a third and three that they didn't convert they'll go into the press conference And they'll tell you about things they could have done better. While this asshole goes into a press conference in one of the worst Yankee seasons, probably the worst Yankee season of my adult life, and one of the worst ones in 30 years. And if you listen to him, you'd think this team was right in the playoff hunt, which they're not. And that's the other thing, by the way. You tell your boss who's getting cute on Twitter right now that his team is still fourth place and three back of the third wild card, shut the fuck up. But it's amazing. And again, nothing is going to change. Was getting rid of Boone other than just the manager being a different manager. Fundamentally, we know nothing is going to change. This fan base, I think for the most part is smart enough to know that, but this approach, this like, you know, um, coddling the player approach that they've been all about since Girardi didn't, um, you know, listen to Sanchez and reviewing that Lindor Grand slam in Cleveland in 2017. And all you're hearing about is how you have to coddle the new age player. Fuck that, throw that shit out the window and get somebody in here that can actually manage and tell the analytics virgins, in the front office, to go focus on fucking chicks and stop worrying about how to manage a fucking baseball team.
0: Cy Austin from the top rope, my goodness. Cy Austin from the top rope. Look, the Yankees changed their approach after Game 7, 2017, in wanting a new voice. I disagree with it. I wasn't on board. I was willing to see how it would work. We've seen the results. The Yankees are way too complacent. They're way too accepting of bad outcomes and bad results. And you hear about process and that we're close and that we're doing this, we're doing that. And the results are not there. So I think the book is closed. And again, this baby, which is the 2023 disaster of the New York Yankees. When you're looking at corporates, For why the Yankees are 60 and 64. Aaron Boone is not number one on that list. Let's make that abundantly clear. I've killed him plenty. She's not reason number one the Yankees were in this predicament. He's not. But she has not been the sort of guiding light that's getting them out of it. And the coddling the too nice approach with the players, which, listen, I know is in vogue and is popular now in all these clubhouses. That may be all well and good. They can't be as hard-on players as you were 20 or 30 years ago. That's that's probably accurate. You know what else is accurate? Guys who might be players' managers, they are able to demand a certain amount of accountability from their teams. And you're seeing that with certain managers around baseball. You've seen it with Dusty Baker, obviously, in Houston. He's got a great roster. Look at the impact a veteran manager like Bruce Bochy has made on the Texas Rangers. You're going to tell me he hasn't had an impact on the season? If you don't think that's the case, you're a damn fool. Because look at where they were a year ago, where they are now. They added some pitching. I understand that. But you're telling me Bochy doesn't go and help them get a couple more wins? If you think that's not the case, you're not paying attention. The Yankees need a veteran manager. It's one of the many things they need. But if anybody's on board with the idea of saying, oh, well, we know Brian Cashman's a huge problem at the moment. We know the Yankees, in theory, need a whole lot more than a new manager. But if your approach is, oh, no, I don't want any changes, then you haven't watched this season. When this is the product and these are the results, something's got to get. And my hope is we're talking about a whole lot of change when we sit here in early October. That's my hope, dude. the next seven weeks. thank God football's here in less than three weeks. That's all I'm gonna say. Thank heavens, we will have football. those you think you're getting a whole lot of baseball in those September shows outside of who's going and rumors about whether it's E or showalter, Cashman, Boone, other than that. We're gearing up. Start of the NFL season. Speaking of which, Danny Heifetz, our buddy, has got an interesting take on the AFCs. Very, very interesting take on the AFCs. That's coming up. And then don't forget, 6 to 10, New York top 15. Heifetz up next. Step into action this NFL season with Fandle, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And there are a couple of Week 1 lines I have already circled. I may have already wagered on a couple of Week 1 games. I'm not going to spoil the party on that. What I am going to spoil the party on, under. How's the Houston Texan number six and a half? I know D'Amico Ryans, CJ Stroud, they got some veterans, Dalton Shooks. What do they freaking do? They're still Houston Texans. That team is not winning seven games. I don't care how bad the AFC South may be. I don't care that they're playing a last play schedule. That's another. Simple as that. The app, it's so easy to use. There's a Wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit fanduelcom NYNY and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21-plus the president in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at Sportsbook.Fanduel.com. Reality hits home when you have to sit there and watch these dreadful baseball teams. Another lost weekend for the Yankees. I mean, I'm rooting losses. I want a losing record. I want a wholesale change in the Bronx. Uh, But we start here as we welcome in Danny Heifetz, a man of many talents. He's got a live fantasy football show with the Ringer Fantasy Football Crew on Tuesday in Washington, D.C. He's getting ready for the start of the NFL season. Danny, how beautiful is it? And it dawned on me today when I walked in from the pool after I watched another Yankee debacle that we are one, two, three Sundays away from Christmas morning, baby. Isn't that a thing of absolute nirvana, man? Like, I am so stoked. I know I got a big event coming up on Friday, which we'll get to, I'm sure. JJ, you got a wedding on
6: Friday. You're supposed to be excited for that.
0: Well, listen, I am excited for that. But I want to talk to the audience. I have the audience couldn't care less about what's going on on 825. But hey, we're three weeks away from the start of this highly anticipated NFL season, dude.
6: I got to tell you, JJ, I feel like I, I don't want to be dramatic, but I i feel like I haven't needed or New York hasn't needed a football season more badly in a long time. Like the the Yankees and Mets, like I, i between Giants, the way the Giants season ended with the playoffs, obviously got rocked by the Eagles, but it was such a nice Giants bounce back season with Jets and Rodgers. They're, like, fans, I feel like there's just like a hankering. There's like a scratch under the itch this season. Like, it's there is more, not hype, but these teams have been so bad for so long that, I don't know, it's such a different, it's incredible how like one year ago we were like, wow, which of these teams would you even want to like root for through the future? And now we're like, wow, both these teams, Like it's actually exciting to see them get going.
0: Well, you're not wrong about that. Um, and that's what happens when the Giants go make the playoffs and win a playoff game the Jets, and you were all over this back in November or December of last year. You kind of planted the seed a little bit about the idea of Aaron Rodgers being a Jet. Heifetz, for me, this is the most highly anticipated football season we've had in New York City since 2008, and I'll tell you why 2008. You had the Giants coming off the nirvana of the Super Bowl win over the Patriots, David Tyree, Burris, the whole deal, and you had the Jets going and get a quarterback from Green Bay by the name of Brett Favre, like both teams have had moments since, but I think for both collectively, this is the most highly anticipated New York football season in a long, long time.
6: Look, it's full circle, right? It's the like true detective. It's time is a flat circle. It's 15 years later and it just, the whole thing happens again. It's like Mercury and Retrograde or whatever. Haley's Comet. I don't know. But yeah, to your point, like the Jets haven't won the Super Bowl since we landed on the moon. Like, they haven't had a 4,000-yard passer since we've landed on the moon. A f- not five, a 4,000-yard passer since Joe Namath. I mean, as a team, this is... I got this stuff from Rich Sumini at ESPN. The, since 2010, the Jets have the fewest touchdown passes in the league, and they're tied for the most interceptions of in the league. And now they have Aaron Rodgers.
0: It's a beautiful thing if you're a Jet fan. Now, there are a lot of Met Jet fans. Not every combo in New York is like that, Danny. Like, I have plenty of Met Giant fans who are in my life. There are Yankee Jet fans like my father who are in my life. But I would say, for the most part, that Met-Jet duo, they have a lot in common. They just live through two future Hall of Famers. Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, and what they were promised and what they were provided as far as the back of the baseball card, the resume and whatnot. I know there are a few of them. As giddy as they may be, as fired up as they may be, what would you put the percentage level of the 2023 Jets with Rodgers going down the road of Scherzer, Verlander, and the 2023 New York Mets?
6: What would you put the percentages of that at? Higher than you'd like to admit. And I, I don't say that, look, you know that I'm all over, like, I, I was the first person, honestly, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I was the first person out there saying Rogers to the Jets. And I'll even say I think Rogers himself is actually will be better. He had a broken thumb last year. I think the people saying he's done, I, I get that. But you're right. We kind of owe, like, a disclaimer here. Like, I think Mets-Jets fans, after watching the Verlander Shrews stuff, you're right. Here's my issue. The offensive line's a mess. Like, I, you know, Mekhi Beckton, he actually looks very good in the preseason game, but he has, hasn't even been able to practice at right tackle really until this week. And, you know, Mekhi Beckton, I think when he plays, he actually is quite good. But Mekhi Becton has the fewest starts through three seasons of any li- offensive lineman drafted in the first round in 30 years. Then you've got Dwayne Brown at left tackle, he's 38 years old. That's plan A, is a 38-year-old and the first rounder with the fewest starts through three years ever. Never mind that most super like the idea that what happens afterward. Joe Tipman, this you know uh, center they drafted in the second round, really apparently hasn't even put up a competitive uh, competition. I guess to like actually crack the starting lineup. It's not like you know Lake Tomlinson's already dealing with a little injury. Elijah Vera Tucker, I assume they're going to start because apparently Rogers going to play against the Giants. But here's here's the issue, JJ. I think this is what I would underline for Jets fans: your glory, you or your clown nose is going to be put on in the first six weeks. Because if the Jets schedule to start the year, at it's against Buffalo on Monday Night Football. So the team that's won the division three years in a row. Cowboys made the divisional round. New England, your easier game is the Patriots and Bill Belichick. The Chiefs who won the Super Bowl. The Broncos who have Sean Payton, probably a top four coach in the league. The Eagles who lost the Super Bowl. Like those are your first six games. Three of those are in prime time. And the fourth is the Cowboys at four o'clock on a Sunday, which is basically primetime. So if the Jets are bad, you're going to be a laughingstock, ma- national embarrassment. But if they're good, you're going to get a the And if the Jets,
0: Jets can find a way to go 3-3 three and three in those six games, I think it sets them up very well for what they have coming up down the stretch and they get more cohesion on the offensive line and Rodgers gets more comfortable being in his new surroundings and you take it from there. Um, look, I think Rodgers is going to play well. I think he's got something to prove. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. I think, Danny, the idea, and again, it's the honeymoon stage. So he hasn't thrown a pass yeah. yet. He hasn't played a game yet. But so far, at least, he has kind of embraced the idea of being Mr. New York. We'll see if he's Mr. New York, if he goes and plays poorly against the Buffalo Bills. To your point, um, there's a lot of competition in the AFC. There's especially a lot of competition within the uh, the division. I mean, you got Buffalo's won it the last three years. Miami was a playoff team last year, and New England. Even though you might put them fourth in power rankings, they're still a team that owns the New York Jets and takes great yeah. satisfaction in beating the New York Jets. I'll give you a crack at this. Rank for me the four AFC East teams going into the start of the year.
6: I think the beer, to tell you the truth, I think the Bills are just straight up a tier above. I, I like. It's not even putting them first. Frankly, I think doesn't even do justice. I think that they got embarrassed by the Bengals, but now people are like the Bills have the, the core of their defense for so long was Tre'Davious White, Micah Hyde, and Jordan Boyer. They haven't played all together in the same time in like a year and a half. They're all together again. I think the Bills are going to be incredible. And then honestly, I would put the Jets and Dolphins right there, and the Patriots are probably a notch below, but they're all in the same tier. And that that could go two, three, four, three like those three can do in any order. But I honestly. This is not what you want to hear. It's not what Jets fans want to hear. I kind of think you're playing for second place in the division and a wild card. Interesting. And that's fine. Okay, so the, and fine. let's be
0: honest, Danny. A lot of the narratives that are out there, take your pick. The Bills may be slipping. The Bills may be missed their opportunity. I'm with you. They are the team that's won the division each of the last three years. Yes, they did not finish up the season great. Yes, they should have lost to Skylar Thompson wild card weekend. And yes, they got humiliated and embarrassed by Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. But the way I see it, Danny, until I see Miami or the Jets or this group of New England Patriots go and beat the team that's won the division each of the last three years. I'm going to go with the team that's won the division each of the last three years. And oh, by the way, has the best quarterback in the division. I'm with you on Buffalo. So you look Buffalo everybody else you don't see it buffalo miami jets 1 1a 1c you don't see it that way
6: no i see that i see the dolphins and jets as 2a and 2b and here's why i would put the dolphins over the jets it's actually coaching i think mike mcdaniels is a really great offense a truly great offensive coordinator you ever seen the movie a uh, kicking and screaming but will Farrell. Oh, yeah. go on will Farrell. yeah the Dolphins. The, your offense is just the his offense. Give it to the Italians. It's Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, two of the four fastest players in the league. It's just give it to the Italians. That's literally the entire like, offense they have. But the thing is, Vic Fangio, the most underrated thing that happened all offseason in the NFL is the Dolphins hired Vic Fangio. And it reminds me shades of when Sean McVay hired Wade Phillips at the Rams. Young head coach, offensive savant, and you need this older, not curmudgeon, but Wade Phillips is a nice guy. But this older guy who's in the 60s who was like semi-out of the league that is an absurdly overqualified defensive coordinator who's Vic Fangio basically is the godfather of all these defensive concepts that are really um trendy in the league right now that to me is because the flip side is the Jets I, I think Jets fans are used to hearing about you know Rodgers did never great L- year last year I think they're u- used to hear about the offensive line Nate Hackett as coordinator Nate Hackett Nate Hackett what is his play calling back what what offenses have Nate Hackett actually ran where he was responsible You know, Nate Hackett and Green Bay and all this stuff, he wasn't running the offense. I think that's also still, it's not just like getting rid of LaFleur is solve these questions. That to me is the other one. It's like Rodgers runs the offense, but even Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, which is really what the Jets are copying, Tom Brady still needed like, you know, Bruce Arians and people with running the offense.
0: Fair enough. Down on the Jet coaching staff. And I'd say from Robert Salah's standpoint, you want to look at a coach who's under more pressure Make the argument, Danny, he's under more pressure than any head coach in the league because if the Jets are not in the playoffs, he's not coaching the team next year. that That's all there is to it. Uh, they're hard knocks. You know, he's a very nice guy. I know he likes his golf rounds. I know he likes doing this and that. That's great. If the Jets are not playing January football this year and they don't end a decade-long playoff drought, when they go and get Aaron Rodgers, there's your fall guy. Robert Salah is going to be the fall guy if the Jets are on the outside looking in.
6: I think fall guy's the right word, because to tell you the truth, I actually like Salah a lot, and I actually think he's the right coach for the New York Jets, but you're right that um, it, the NBA is the best example of this. There's a GM, there's a coach, there's a star player, and then in the football, it's the quarterback, the GM, and the coach. And basically, it's kind of a triangle, and when something goes wrong, there's an order of fall guy, and Rogers just got there, so he's the last fall guy, right? And Salah's next, and then it would be Douglas, and then Rogers, but... I actually I actually still, I don't know. I, I wish Solid had more leash. I think he's I think he's the guy. I think he's got the mentality. Well, let me see this team go to the playoffs then.
0: I mean, uh, they they should be, in theory, with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. I know how good the AFC might be. Go to the playoffs. I'm not asking you to go win the division. I'm not asking you to win 13 disagree. games. Get All to the I'll say is
6: this. I think Joe Douglas has done a great job. However, I also think Joe Douglas, Garrett Wilson, and Brees Hall, being, and, uh, Sauce Gardner being such home runs high that a lot of the other picks the Jets have made have, have gone very strangely under Joe Douglas. I'll just say that. Between Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, solid, but, you know, the, the 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 Jets draft board just often hasn't aligned with other teams. That's all.
0: Fair enough. Okay. Giants. I don't want to get nuts with training camp, but are you more, less, or the same level of expectation in the eyes of Danny Heifetz after... What you've seen, what you've read, what you've heard about. Uh, I could tell you this. Being out of Giant camp, Darren Waller is a physical freak. If you keep him on the field, he's going to be a beast. Uh, and this Jalen Hyatt can fly. I don't know if he can deal with press coverage, but he can fly Danny Heifetz. So wh- where do you stand with the Giants having some more offensive talent, but probably still being the third best team in that division?
6: Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I have to tell you the truth. I watched the Giants first drive in the preseason against the Panthers, and I. Started looking at Super Bowl rings. I started getting a size myself. Oh, okay, okay. I just no, I'm kidding. But they I know. looked incredible. Dan, Danny you. Dimes, Danny Dimes looked like the 160 million dollar man. Darren Waller looks like I mean, faster Travis Kelsey. I know he's not actually that, but my God, it, the fact that we got him for a third round pick, the Darren Waller, I don't know how many games he will play. But I know that every game Darren Waller plays in is healthy, he's going to look like absolutely fantastic. The offense was unbelievable. It was it was crisp. It was sharp. It was just, it, honestly, it was effortless. It was like a knife through butter. It, it, it kind of reminded me not saying this is the case, but the Chiefs in September have this crazy, they basically don't lose. They always put up 40 points a game. And that's what the Giants looked like. It, it, they just looked, uh, it looked like one of those Alabama tune up games against like Alabama AM. I couldn't say enough, but Hyatt, all, all those guys, it's so exciting. And also, you mentioned 2008, man. These Giants, what I love about this team, back to investing in the trenches. This team was wayward for so long. Thibodeau was a first-round pick. Leonard Williams was a first-round pick for the Jets, ironically. Um, Dexter Lawrence. Honestly, Dexter Lawrence, as soon as Aaron Donald retires, might be the be- best defensive tackle in the league. And then Aziz Argelar is a second-round pick. I'm like, this, lo- this one could be special. Uh, especially if Thibodeau takes a leap, because Lawrence already took the leap. Lawrence is there; he doesn't get fa- he's not famous or anything. But Dexter Lawrence is a well, top he's gonna three defensive tackle right now. Because I
0: put him on the New York athlete top fifteen list. So we showed some love there you for go. guys getting down and dirty in the trenches. He deserved it with the season he had last where year. He it. Where did you rank um, him? deserved
6: it. Where did you rank
0: him? I will tell you right now. I am pulling up the list as we speak. Remember, I got all the New York athletes. I'm 12th on the list. Twelfth on the list
6: is Judge one.
0: Uh, you're going to have to find out and listen. That's coming out in the next right. couple of podcasts. We're breaking them down. That'll teaser. come out on Wednesday. There you go.
6: Boom. Incredible. I thought that was going to be so, your vows um, at the wedding.
0: Uh, it might be. It might be. There will, there will not be red vows, uh, by the way, at the wedding, because the Greek tradition in the church does not allow it. So I guess we are exchanging vows. And I was I, I was proclaimed I need to write something nice. That is. That is. That is all that I was... Delivered, because Kate knows I like to go off the beaten path, and I just like to go. I was told Danny Heifetz, I need to make sure I say and write something nice. So the pressure's on, buddy.
6: You know, JJ, I have a feeling that you're going to be just fine. I have have a feeling.
0: I I appreciate that confidence. Um, As someone that will be at the big event on Friday... um, what what do we expect? I what what should the audience expect? But uh, Danny Heifetz will be able to document it. I'm going to be talking to ten zillion people. But what what are the Danny Heifetz expectations here of the big JJ wedding?
6: Oh, I you're telling I don't know, man. You're I, it's your wedding. You're the one planning. I'm just showing up. I'm having a good time. I'm going to get. Probably pretty drunk with Stefan. I don't know.
0: (laughs) That a boy. All right. So that sounds good enough for me. I just need here. I I have a couple expectations. of you. Make sure you make it through the entire night. I need you at the after party. Number one. Number two, get your ass out on that dance floor because the band is great. You're going to love them. They're a ton of fun. Uh, I, I need a lot of participation out of Danny Heifetz breaking a few moves on the dance floor. All right.
6: JJ, I'm not coming up from DC to sit at the table watching all the youngins dance. I mean, I still got it, that a boy. Me, but I appreciate the, that. That boy. The, no, it, it. How much? So the play. I, I have no. I have no doubt. I have no qualms. The I'm sure the playlist is going to be on point and everything.
0: Well, I have to be honest. I have so much confidence in the band we have coming. Man Down, great band, Staten Island guys. I love them. Uh, I've seen them down to the Jersey Shore a bunch. They're fantastic. We saw them a month ago. They're basically doing their thing. Play me music that people can dance to, and boom. I I, I am boom. not going to have a lot of say as far as, hey, at the 920 mark, you're getting, uh, I don't know, Jesse's Girl or Come and Get Your Love. You know what I mean? Like, it is, I'm, I'm going to let the band cook, and I'm going to be out on the floor making magic, dude. That's what I'm going to do.
6: Oh, I for- I also forgot to tell you, Um, I reached out, Stefan and I reached out to and We have we have Jastrzemski tears during ceremony, minus 200. What, 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 wow. where are you, gonna go on you that guys, where are you th- you gonna guys put think the I'm a crier? See, Kate, Kate
0: actually is hoping that I'll cry. I I, I, I don't know. It, it, th- see, that's the one thing, like, you cannot necessarily assume one way or another it's going to happen. It's either going to happen or it's not. You think that it's a heavy favorite? Um, We shall see. We shall see. Uh, Before we say goodbye, since you're doing all this fantasy stuff and you have a great fantasy show coming up live in our nation's capital on Tuesday, Give me Heifetz, three guys we gotta make sure we're on our fantasy team. You you could vary the order. I'm giving you like a wide range here. Give me three guys that we gotta be all bored on. And then give me one guy where it should be like, eh, stay away.
6: Stay far, far away. Okay. So the basic vibe is basically you do fantasy football drafts, you always take a running back in the first round and receive in the second. It's kind of the same top 20, but the people have slipped. It's basically a receiver in the first round. It doesn't matter who. All the receivers in the first round are good. It's basically a running back in the second round. If you got to pick one, I love Nick Chubb. Saquon might be in the second round this year. Like all the second round running backs are basically good. I, if you, I would actually argue Travis Kelsey in the first round. It's like buying Apple stock. It's it's the only argument against Travis Kelsey is he's 34 years old. It doesn't matter. Travis Kelsey hasn't missed a game to injury in 10 years. I, all, all the younger receivers, a decade younger, missed games last year. Travis Kelsey, I, it's again, it's like Berkshire Hathaway. The guys in the middle, if I had to pick one, I would Christian Watson for the Packers is an incredible. But I got to say, if you don't get Travis Kelsey at tight end, Darren Waller, man, I, honestly, t- tight end, like you want ceiling. You want these ceiling picks. If you can't get Kelsey or don't want Kelsey in the first round, I think Darren Waller is incredible. The only question is, is he going to play four games or 17. Every game Darren Waller plays, I think is going to be a top five tight end. He's the number one option on the team. And at the end of the day, there's like three or four tight ends in the entire league that are the number one option. Darren Waller is one of them. Uh, If you want a deep sleeper, Jeff Wilson, your guy for the Dolphins. I think that's a good late round pick. Okay, I like it. I like it. Basically free. He's basically free in fantasy. You could probably use like your 14th, like right before you draft a defense, you could probably get Jeff Wilson and he's going to start. For the Dolphins, could be one of the best offenses in the league. A guy I don't like. uh, I don't know. It's weird. I, I Ironically, Brees Hall, I wasn't in love with because I mean he's not even practicing yet from this ACL injury. But now that Dalvin Cook has been signed, you know, that Brees Hall's a little cheaper. I guess a guy I don't like. I am personally... To J.K. Dobbins for the Ravens, I, I just... Just not for me. I just... It, 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 all the vibes are off. I feel like it's going to end up being a rotation. It, he wants more money in a year where all these running backs are free. Just not reading the room. I, I just... I'm personally not a fan of J.K. Dobbins. Uh, me neither, because
0: I drafted him a couple of years ago and is an out-and-out disaster, so he's officially on the list. There are certain guys, fits once they're on that J.J. list, they're out. There's no turning back. There's no coming back. You're not welcome back into the family. Buddy, thanks for a few minutes. Have a great live show on Tuesday, um, and we will see you Friday night on the dance floor. I look forward to it.
6: <laughs> Thank you for having me, J.J., here in this week, baby. See you soon.
0: That's a great Danny Heifetz. We got a lot more to do, including the unveiling of 10 to 5 or 10 to 6. I don't even know what it is. Yeah, 10 to 6 on the New York Top 15. So that's interesting from Heifetz. No 1A, one, one 1B one in the AFCs. Clear cut Buffalo Bills, huh? We'll do our division picks probably the Sunday of Labor Day weekend or the... Tuesday or Thursday. before. Now, we'll do them the Sunday, Labor Day weekend. Sunday, Labor Day weekend, we'll have those out with the over-unders. Popcorn. Let's see if I'm on the same page as our guy, Danny Heifetz. So, if you missed our Thursday pod, and shame on you if you did, just go back and re listen. Uh, 15 through 11 in the New York Top 15 was Mikael Bridges at 15, Daniel Jones at 14, Julius Randle at 13, Dexter Lawrence. There you go, Danny Heifetz. Took care of him at 12. Mika Zabenejad at 11. So we're going to give you 10 through 6. Stefan, let's rock and roll.
1: Number 10.
0: So checking in number 10 on this list, a guy who is the offensive rookie of the year and a guy who I think might be moving his way further up this list in 2024. And that's Garrett Wilson. Listen, Garrett Wilson... Did not get the same sort of wow factor in training Camp Iravel. Because you just were uncertain about well, what kind of production is he going to put up with the Jet quarterback situation. But well, we got our answer. He put up monster numbers and had a terrible quarterback situation. Now, you give Garrett Wilson Aaron Rodgers. I think the sky's the limit. I think you're talking double-digit touchdowns. I think you're talking about a guy who's going to be one of the 5-7 to best receivers in the NFL this year. Number 10, and I think that stock is only going up in year two. But Garrett Wilson, welcome to the New York Top 15.
1: Number 9.
0: Number 9, and this player has fallen quite a bit. And maybe it's due to his team. Maybe it's due to the injury. Maybe this is just me not giving love to a guy who didn't hit When the Mets needed him to hit the most, then maybe that knocked him down a couple of pegs. But here's one thing we know about the player who's number nine on this list and Pete Alonso. The guy does nothing but hit bomb after bomb after bomb. And even in a year where Pete Alonso, let's be honest, missed time with an injury, came back maybe shortly from an injury, look at the power numbers. He's got 38 homers and 93 RBIs. And we're sitting here in late August. Peter Alonzo has a chance to hit 50 home runs again this year. And it's a down year for Peter Alonzo. So he's checking it on the list. He's getting penalized for not being there in June. He's getting penalized a little bit because his team has just stunk up the joint. But we can't leave Peter Alonzo off the top 15. Come on now.
1: Number eight.
0: Number eight. All right, A little bit of a fall from grace for this guy, again, because of team success. I'm pointing to Igor Shostakhin at number eight. Not as dominant a year for Shostakhin as you saw two years ago, but still profiled as one of the better goaltenders in all of the hockey and still basically did everything in his power to try to get the Rangers into the second round of the playoffs and his team, unfortunately, did not cooperate. Now, I think there are some Islander fans wondering about Mr. Sorokin and why he's not on this list. So maybe there's a little bit of a bias here. I'm not giving you two goaltenders. Maybe I'm going with the guy I see a little bit more. I know the Island defender is not going to be happy with me for that. But listen, there's only so much hockey I can put on this list. Let's be real. But checking in at number eight, Igor Shostakovich, who I think will be higher on this list at this time next year.
5: Number seven.
0: All right, number seven on this list is Gwynn Williams, who just got a monster payday from the New York Jets. And Quinn Williams last year was one of the best defensive linemen in all football. Interior pass rush, got after the quarterback, stops the run. You need two or three guys to block him. And the Jets are counting on him in a big way to have yet another monster season. And we know the Jets have the best secondary in the NFL. They have the best cornerback tandem in the NFL. I think if their defense is churning out a monster pass rush led by this guy, might be talking about a top five defensive football, but we're not sleeping on the big guys in the trenches. Quinton Williams next to Lawrence. We're showing you love. Love for the big fella. Quinton Williams at number seven.
5: Number six.
0: All right, I'm putting the devil at number six. I can't believe I'm doing this. Listen, I'm not going to pretend that I watch a lot of devil's hockey, but I know this. Jack Hughes had a monster season. Look at his stat line. Look at his goal scored. Look at his points. And maybe this is an unfair metric for New York, New York. The New Jersey Devils advanced the furthest out of any of the tri-state area hockey teams in last year's postseason. I'm going to reward the youngster who's got unbelievable talent. His team finally got a little taste of postseason action and really spoiled the party for the New York Rangers in a monster way. I got to show love. Can't believe I'm doing it. A devil at sixth. A devil! Jack Hughes, you're number six on the list. So there you have it. To recap, Garrett Wilson at 10, Pete Alonso at 9, Igor Shosturkin at 8, Quinn Williams at 7, Jack Hughes at 6. Uh, Full disclosure, this list was really hard to put together this year. Really hard. Because the top five I feel pretty good about, then you get outside the top five, and I was like, wow. Might be leaving this guy off. Might be leaving that guy off. And I want to address one of the omissions right out of the gate. A lot of that fans are going to be like, JJ, how is Lindor not on this list? And with the way Lindor has been playing recently, I can understand that gripe. Here's my problem with Lindor. And I'm giving Alonzo a little bit more of a pass on this because I knew he was hurt. When the Mets really needed Lindor, he wasn't there. And maybe I'm being too hard on him. Maybe I'm penalizing him for that. It wasn't just Lindor. We know that. But in the sake of this particular list, I'm going to reward winning a little bit. You notice there's a common theme on that. I'm trying to reward the guys that really did have winning seasons and played on winning teams. It's my list. So I know there are going to be some corrections and people are going to want certain guys off, certain guys on, but that's, that's the point of this. So... Maybe if Lindor showed up in the month of June, I'd put him on the list, but he did not. So that's the way it goes. Uh, On Wednesday, one through five. And is Aaron Judge going to be number one on my list the second straight year? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, We'll do some more fantasy stuff. There's a right way and a wrong way to approach a draft. Jason Katz got you covered. Coming up next. It's football season. You want to know why it's football season? Yes, we are three weeks away, but it means that our chats with our fantasy expert from the Pro Football Network resume. And I always love doing this with Jason Katz a couple of weeks before the start of the year and as you're getting ready to draft, because in many ways, nailing the draft could mean nailing your fantasy season. So Jason Katz, welcome back to New York, New York. I hope you enjoyed your spring and your summer break, but it's go time, baby.
1: It's been a long eight months, but football is finally here. I always enjoy the break afterwards. By the end of the season, I'm like, you know what? I'm excited for the NFL playoffs. I'm okay with just watching new games, not worrying about who's producing or who might get hurt. Now, enjoy the playoffs. Take my couple months to just not really think about the season and what's going on, just doing general background stuff. But then once June hits, you really start getting the itch. And then July, and now we're in
0: August. And I mean, we're right around the corner here. I'm really excited for it. All right, buddy. Um, Draft strategy. Let's get right to it. How important is it to prioritize certain positions? Or is it more important to say, okay, I know I'm picking here. Therefore, these certain players are going to be on the board. And I can kind of act accordingly. Obviously, if you do auction, it's a totally different set of circumstances. And you got to target certain guys. But from a basic draft strategy standpoint, what's the biggest thing you can do in order to have a great draft? And what is the biggest mistake you think most fantasy players make in going through their drafts? I'm
1: going to start with the biggest mistake because there are a lot of ways to do it, but there are a couple of ways, a couple of things you should never do. And you should always go into your draft with a plan of what you want to do, but you should never force a particular strategy regardless of what the draft room says. Like for example, uh zero RB, the concept of basically not drafting any running backs in the first 5 or so rounds has become very popular over the recent years. And it's especially popular this year because of how much better wide receivers were last year than this year. So people sometimes go into drafts and say, "I'm not taking a running back until the 5th round." Well, you know what? If the first like if 8 of the first 10 picks are all wide receivers and you pick in the back end of the first round, don't force a lesser wide receiver, take the advantage of a running back and, and em- employ a different strategy. So that would be my first bit of advice is be willing to adapt always. Take what the draft room gives you. Now, in terms of what we're looking to do, I mean, it, it's it's hard to pinpoint any specific type of strategy because again, it has to do with what the draft room gives you. Generally, or some general tips for me, I don't like going early round QB and early round tight end, like in the first like seven or so rounds, I'm okay with taking one. I don't love to take both because it typically hurts me too much in wide receiver or running back. But if you're in a shallower league, maybe maybe you only start two receivers, two running backs and a flex, then it's more okay to do that because you want the advantage there. But in deeper leagues, or rather the more positions you have uh, in your lineup that are running backs, wide receivers or, or flexes, the more you might want to wait on at least one of those positions.
0: Jason, you know the deal in New York City. There's a guy by the name of Mr. Rogers that's playing quarterback for the New York Jets. What a concept. We actually have fantasy viable New York Jets. Garrett Wilson's going to be a beast. The running back room is interesting because of the injury to Brees Hall. Now they go and bring in Dalvin Cook. And then you have Aaron Rodgers. So where do you look at Jets as far as who you like and who you don't from a fantasy perspective?
1: I mean, we can start with the uh, highest guy in terms of ADP, and that's Garrett Wilson. Uh, like you said, he is going to be an absolute monster. I truly believe he is going to be Aaron Rodgers' new Devontae Adams. We're number 17. Similarities are all there. Will he be as good as prime Devontae was this year? No, probably not. But we're talking about a guy who, as a rookie, playing with any quarterback but a different last name than him, averaged 17.3 PPR fantasy points per game. 16 points per game is roughly the threshold for wide receiver one production. Garrett Wilson, well ahead of that. Now, he doesn't have Mike White and Joe Flacco. He's got Aaron Rodgers. The 20 points per game is very much in his range of outcomes this season. That will definitely get him into the top five. I'm all in on taking Garrett Wilson around the 1-2 turn. Anywhere, anywhere in the early second round, he's absolutely a guy you want to draft. As for the other Jets, guys, obviously the trickiest thing right now is what do we do with Brees Hall? And I'm sure this is a question you were going to ask me. I'll get right to it now. The knee situation, it's concerning. Of course, coming off the torn ACL, we've seen two guys in history come back their first year off of torn ACL and absolutely smash That was Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles. I believe Brees Hall's talent level in terms of where he is now in the NFL, is he's up there in terms of the elite backs. But can he do it in year one? Everything we're getting from the Jets suggests maybe not. Because again, they signed Dalvin Cook. I think they're going to slowly try and ramp up Brees Hall. But if he falls... Uh, from where he was going in terms of like the early third round into maybe the late fourth or early fifth, he's probably worth it because who else are you taking there that could be a top five back over the second half of the season as he ramps up? If Brees Hall never tore his ACL, he would be a top eight pick the season. He'd probably be ranked as the RB3 behind Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler. So I, I love the talent. If he can get there this year in the middle of the season and you take him, that's going to be one of the best value picks of the draft. Fascinating. Rodgers. Where do we view Rogers? Rodgers it's tough with Rodgers. Because do, why do we think Rodgers struggled last year? Is, is it because he was 38 years old and he's, and he's declining? Is it because he lost Devontae Adams, was throwing to two rookies and broke his thumb? Or is it because maybe the Packers weren't as good, he wasn't as motivated? It's, it's impossible to know. I am on the side that Rodgers is not done. I think he still has another two years left to play at a high level. And I think he can bounce back. But what does that mean for fantasy football? Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career is just, he's a pocket passer. He's not giving you any rushing production. We saw Matthew Stafford two years ago throw for like 5,000 yards and 41 touchdowns. And he finishes the QB 11. If you're not running, that's, that's what it takes to get into the top 12. Last year, the only quarterback to finish inside the top 10 who didn't really run was Joe Burrow. It's, it's unlikely that Aaron Rodgers is going to be an every week fantasy starter, even if he bounces back to the level necessary to turn Garrett Wilson into the elite wide receiver one we think he can be. So I'm not interested in Aaron Rodgers outside of like two quarterback superflex leagues.
0: Let's get to the giants. Jason last year, we were begging to find options. That's not say, Saquon Barkley. And yes, Daniel Jones worked his way into fantasy relevance with the way he ran the football. Uh, this year, all of a sudden the giants got some intriguing talents. Darren Waller is obviously one of those guys. Um, From a giant standpoint, we know Saquon's either a first-round or a second-round pick. We know Jones is in the middle of the pack as far as fantasy quarterbacks are concerned. But where do you kind of view Giant players as far as fantasy production? Who do we like? Who do we not?
1: I am all in once again for a fourth consecutive year on Darren Waller. I was in on the breakout his first year. uh, It was open at the time. And he was one of the best late-round tight end picks that year. Then the following year, great again. Then he battled injury a couple years, but I do not believe Darren Waller is injury prone. The injuries he's dealt with have not really been lingering. He suffered an IT band injury. He had a, he had a back strain. He sprained his ankle and he had a hamstring injury that cost him a bunch of games last year because he tried to come back too soon. He doesn't have a history of chronic issues. I believe Darren Waller, if you if, if use smarter, can stay on the field this year and he is going to be Daniel Jones' top target. He's going to lead the Giants in targets. And Giants general manager Joe Shane said the reason he got Darren Waller is because he wanted a wide receiver one, but there wasn't anyone out there that fit that bill. Waller was the closest thing. That's how this team views Darren Waller. So I am all in on Darren Waller having a bounce back season. The only thing between Darren Waller and a top three finish at the tight end position is health.
0: I'm in on Darren Waller, too. I think that's somebody, listen, that you want on your fantasy team. He plays. He's going to put up monster numbers. No doubt in my mind. Okay. Jason. The player in the quote-unquote first round that we should want no part of this year would be who?
1: Um, so this year, the first round, is really solid. There's really nobody in there that I'm going to say, hey, avoid this guy at all costs. But if there's one guy that I'm kind of shying away from a little bit right now, it's Cooper Cup. And I, 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 it pains me to say this because I truly believe that a healthy Stafford and a healthy Cup are undoubtedly top the top duo, or, or rather, Cup would be the top receiver in fantasy. He was the top receiver in fantasy last year for the eight games he played, and that includes that final game where he played without Stafford, where he scored like one fantasy point. So as long as they are both healthy, they're good, Cup's going to smash. But here's what we got with Cup: thirty years old, coming off a season-ending injury, had surgery. Stafford getting up there in age, coming off injury of himself. Rams offensive line not very good there are a lot of ways that cup fails this year. And it's just, there's too many red flags and too many things that all have to go right for cup to be able to have the type of season. He was on pace for it last year and that he had in 2021. So I'm kind of shying away from cup a little bit, but I I'm not going to go so far as to say, avoid at all costs because if he stays healthy and if Stafford stays healthy, he's still Cooper cup.
0: Interesting. Now who is the guy that maybe is in the second, third, fourth round, second round is probably a lame answer, but give me the guy. Top half of the draft that, like next year at this time, we're talking about a first round pick. So I, I, I'm
1: unsure where I where I wanted to go with this because I know you don't want to need to give me to give you a first round guy, but in some cases there there is there are some fantasy analysts out there who are touting to avoid this guy in the first round and and don't don't take him until the late second round and that's rookie Bijan Robinson on the Atlanta Falcons. He's typically goes you know maybe. Let back half of the first round. I'm going to go on record here as I've gone on record on Twitter and in rankings and everywhere saying that heading into the 2024 fantasy season, Bijan Robinson will be the consensus first overall pick across all of fantasy football. So once Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase are off the board, if you pick at any point and those guys aren't there and Bijan Robinson is there, He's the guy I want to take. That is his highest fifth overall. You can get a maybe 12th overall if, if if people are scared of rookies. We have never seen a rookie go as high as B. John Robinson and not finish as an RB1 in fantasy football. He's He is one of the safest picks in all of fantasy, and he has overall RB1 upside. So I know that's not necessarily the, the later-round guy you're looking for, a middle-round guy. That's the answer I'm giving you.
0: That's fine. B. John Robinson. Buy stock now. Basically, listen to Jason Katz. You got an opportunity to take him, and you're not looking at McCaffrey, and you're not looking at Eckler. Go and take B. John Robinson. Now, Jason, this is the fun part. The sleeper category. Let's get outside of those first three or four rounds. Give me one position of each. A quarterback, a running back, a receiver that we think has breakout written all over them. Give me one of each.
1: All right, I'm going to start with quarterback. Uh, given the recent shift in quarterback production, the top guys are more consistently finishing inside the top six, top eight, top 10. So it's hard to find those later on guys that are going to break through, similar to how someone like Justin Fields did last year, or how Lamar Jackson did a few years back. But if there's one guy who can finish inside the top five that's not going there, it is rookie Anthony Richardson. I know I'm getting a little rookie happy here, but we saw what rookie Cam Newton did back in 2011. And Anthony Richardson is a modern day version of souped up Cam Newton, basically. If he can just be a competent passer, he is going to carry his fantasy production with his rushing. We've seen quarterbacks like Tyrod Taylor, like Terrell Pryor, like Tim Tebow. These guys who can't really throw, finish as QB ones purely on their rushing. Richardson is a better passer than these guys. So it's not a stretch that he can rush for a 1,000 yards and maybe 10 or 12 touchdowns and finish inside the top five as a rookie if things break right. So That's what I got at quarterback. At running back, there's a very tricky area here when you get past like the top eight or nine or so guys where you just feel very uncertain about any of those middle round guys but if we're looking for a later round guy we're, we're, we're digging deep down there man I love Jalen Warren and I know the hype is going to be there now after that 62 yard touchdown run we just saw the day before I'm recording this but even before that I know it's going to like the ADP which is really unfortunate but even before that I was all in on Jalen Warren I think he's better than Najee Harris straight up better at football and no nope, he's not going to outtouch touch Najee Harris if the late season usage that we saw last year is any indication, that was more like a 65, 35, 60, 40 split that Warren forced because of his play. And we've seen the same thing in the preseason. I don't care so much about preseason performance, but usage, especially usually with the first team, is telling. And I think that Warren can work this, work this thing into a timeshare. You're taking this guy right now outside the top 36 running backs. Why can't he finish inside the top 30 if he's, if he's in a 50 timeshare with Najee Harris? So Jalen Warren's a guy I'm definitely interested in taking in the later rounds. Now for wide receiver, and there's a lot of ways we can go with this. Um, I don't want to go in like uh, too early here. In the second round, I absolutely love Chris Olave, so I'm throwing that out there right now. He is my go-to second-round pick. I also think your, uh, your team, uh, Jalen Waddle, is another fine pick there. If We're looking for the later rounds now. I'm going back to Pittsburgh with my guy from 2021, who I faded last year. I'm back in this year, Deontay Johnson. Why are we fading this guy? I mean, he is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He's an elite route runner. He gets open at will. And what was his problem last year? 147 targets, 86 catches. All right, he scored no touchdowns. I guarantee you Deontay Johnson will score touchdowns this season. In fact, he's probably going to score at least like five or six of them. If he scored like six last year, he would have finished inside the top 30. He's being drafted pretty much at his floor. If Kenny Pickett takes a step forward, which we should expect, even though I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Pickett, second year quarterback, national leap there, Deontay Johnson's the wide receiver one there. 160 targets is well within his range of outcomes. And he can finish inside the top 24 once again, and you don't have to take him there.
0: Deontay Johnson, who's been a favorite of mine because he's been a favorite of Jason Katz since the last couple of years. We might be going back to that well. Uh, Final one, Jason. The quarterback dilemma now. You mentioned the advantage of having a Russian quarterback. Now it's gotten to a point where people used to just disregard him These guys, the Allens of the world, the Mahomes of the world, the Jalen Hurtses of the world, Lamar, you you name it, they give you a major leg up. Should that change your strategy? We started with strategy. We end with strategy. Should that change the, the, the strategy of evaluating and drafting quarterbacks maybe a little earlier than we did in years past?
1: Short answer is going to be yes, but it's not for the reason you think. The issue that I'm having is that once you get into the fourth round, the players that go at the running back and wide receiver positions in rounds four through six are very flat. Like, for example, the guys that I have ranked at wide receiver from around wide receiver 19 through like 35, there is not much separating these guys. So you look down in the third, not really the third, but more like the fourth and fifth round, where Lamar goes, where Joe Burrow goes, where Justin Herbert goes, you look down at their wide receivers and you say, I I like a lot of these guys, but there are so many, I'm going to get the same caliber guy next round or the round after that. Why am I going to take one here and just try and guess which one's the best when I already know I have a quarterback that can give me an edge? So it's more about the flatness of the running back and wide receiver positions that are pushing me toward taking the short thing at quarterback, especially when we have guys like Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, who I truly believe have overall QB1 upside. So in short, yes, I am looking into taking a quarterback this year in rounds three through six, which is earlier than I typically do, earlier than I have in a long time. It's just the changing nature of the quarterback position in the fantasy landscape.
0: Jason Katz, Pro Football Network. Buddy, in less than three weeks, we'll be doing this for real in week one. And I apologize in advance to any of the wedding guests who are just asking nonsensical fantasy questions as you're trying to maybe break a, a move out on the dance floor, maybe have a cocktail, maybe enjoy your meal. If somebody asks you, Jalen Waddle or Chris Salave, you know, uh send them my way. Fair enough, Jason? All
1: right, man. I look forward to all those questions and seeing everybody and all the JJ fans at the wedding.
0: That's Jason Katz, our guy from the Pro Football Network. We'll talk to him in a couple of weeks for week one. It can't get here soon enough. Uh, we'll wrap it up with the Money Man before we say goodbye. All right, before we say goodbye, Money Man, let's stay hot, big boy. What do we got? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. to be for Monday the
4: 21st. I got two plays. First play in baseball. I like the Astros at home, even money over the Red Sox. They do very well against lefty, so we're going to roll with that. And in the NFL preseason game, uh, if you're going to pick the preseason game, how can you not go with it? The Ravens are only minus one. What The uh, last 24 games they won, so minus one mean a win, then they cover. So, I said you got to go with the Ravens minus the one for the preseason game and baseball, the Houston Astros at home at even money. Let's see what you got on your end, JJ. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go.
0: Let's go, Jeff Money. Um, that is a fantastic nugget on the Baltimore Ravens who have been a cash cow in preseason games. There are certain coaches that take the preseason seriously. There are other coaches that do not. John Harbaugh likes to win in the preseason. So I, I got no problem with you continuing to ride that trend. I like the Astros tomorrow. The Red Sox off the Yankee series. A little emotional high. Hangover. Astros coming off a sweep at the hands of the Mariners. Things getting tight in that wild card race. The amazing thing about the American League wildcard race is that you'd rather be the 6 as opposed to the 4-5. The 6 you're going to get the Minnesota Twins. 4-5 is probably going to be Tampa. And that's if Tampa can hold that 4 spot. Tampa's amazing. I mean, they lose McClanahan. They have this awful situation with Wanda Franco. And now Lau is carrying. You know, it's a different guy. every day. That's, that's a well-run organization. In a nutshell, that's a well-run organization. Um, On that note, uh, I appreciate Bill from Los Angeles taking some parting shots at the Yankees. I know Anthony Nsiasa was particularly thrilled about that. But listen, right now, dirty little secret, I wasn't the least bit upset over the Yankees getting swept by the Red Sox this weekend. Isn't that weird? And isn't that sad? That just shows you how rotten this season has become from a Yankee standpoint. So let that be your parting thought. We'll be back on Wednesday, day early. Good job by Stefan. Want to thank Heifetz and Katz. The last pod before the big day. How about that? JJ out. Be good, everybody. must be 21 plus and present in present select states FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC gambling problem call 1-800-gambler or visit fanduel.com/org in Colorado Iowa Michigan New Jersey Ohio Pennsylvania Illinois Tennessee and Virginia call one 800 Step or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 1-888-789-7777 or Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1 800 now within Indiana. 1 800 522 4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1 877 770 stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1 800 cambore.net in West Virginia or call 1 800 522 4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1 800 327